0: feels perfect other days just ain't working the good the bad the right the wrong and everything
1: in between though it's crazy amazing we can turn our heart through the words we say mountains crumble with every syllable Hope can live or die so speak life speak life
2: hello 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 welcome to the live episode of the butterfly evolution show thank you all for tuning in with us tonight We have Rodney Jordan on um, as the second host for tonight's show. Excited to have him back on. Um, Hopefully you guys remember he's been on several times, and we'll kind of get into that before going into the show. want to let you know that the chat line, and I better make sure of that, the chat line is open. Um, For those of you who are listening by way of, uh, or online through the chat line, if you have something to share with Tonight you do have to be a registered follower In order to do that So keep that in mind And if you're not registered You can always call in 818-691-7406 Select the number one Only if you have something to add to tonight's show And before going forward We really This is it's, It's time to speak up It's time to stop talking about the wrong thing Um The wrong things, I should say And focusing on those things that really are making no difference Or will make no difference in our lives In the lives of our children And or our society So I was sharing with Rodney that it's just so much going on And I'm going to I'm just here tonight I'm going to be very, very I'm just going to be a blanket tonight I'm, I'm, I'm letting what I feel go Um there's so much going on, and I'm just going to let my feelings and emotions about the things that are going on as it relates to our children, our society, parenting, expectations, accountability, all of it. So I might step on toes tonight, and that's okay. I'm really okay with that. So let's move forward. Um do want to continue to share the trash can concept as we continue to promote change uh, as it relates to your thoughts, your mindset. Getting into your mind and determining what is going on in order to make a change And hold yourself accountable for who you are, what you are Whether it's a daughter, a, a mother, father, whatever it is It's time that you hold yourself accountable And if you can't be honest, give it over to someone who can um, But don't stay in it So tonight's show is about setting high. Okay. And it's in relation To um, our children But in saying that It has to come from everywhere So the trash can baby Getting back to that For you new listeners This is about You getting into your mind and to help you, as crazy as it sounds, just to help you do that in a fun way, we have what we call our trash can baby. We ask that you move your trash can from one location to another and monitor how often or do you go back to its old location, all the while knowing that you've moved it to a different location. Monitor how many times you go back to the place um, where you moved it from or that you moved it from. So do that, and as you do that, allow yourself to think about what other things do I just do because I'm accustomed to them. I'm used to um, feeling this way. I'm used to things being like this, and I, for whatever reason, am not open to changing them. Why? Even if it doesn't work for you, why are we so accustomed to not working towards change when we know that it certainly can't get any worse. It can. It can certainly only make things better. So, without further ado, that's kind of all I wanted to get in um, for the startup. Rodney, come in and, and tell them again because we do have new listeners. So tell us again who you are, about your book, um, about your mission as it relates to your profession and our students, our children. Just let it go. You're on.
0: <laughs> Good evening, uh, everyone who is listening. We do appreciate you taking out the time and uh, joining us tonight. Uh, my name is Rodney Jordan. I am a uh, teacher in Manassas, Virginia. I'm also the author of the book Tide of Being Black," which I wrote to uh, raise awareness um, and offer a fresh perspective on the negative stereotypes and struggles of the Black race. Uh, and just as, as Tammy said, uh, my mission is very similar to hers, and it is all about change and improvement um, for everyone, but but especially our, our, our youth and our children, our children, um, because they they need us, um, and they need us uh, more so today than they ever have. So um, that is definitely my mission, uh, and I hope to continue. Um, to do everything that I can um, to make their lives better um, so that we will start to see the change in our society um, that that we need to see so um, thanks again Tammy for having me on It is always a pleasure to be on your show um, and we're looking forward to having a great one tonight.
2: Right, right. Well, I want to start out with asking you a question as it relates to being a teacher. um, What type, and and I'll I'll, I'll say this coming from, I I shared with you that I did get the opportunity to to go out and speak to uh, the faculty and staff, uh, I guess, about a month ago maybe at a school here. And I remember just standing there looking into the eyes and the faces of the people who our little people go to and spend seven, eight hours of their day with, more time than they spend with their parents in their home probably because when they're there, there's probably not a lot of uh, one-on-one connection, just is what it is. And I remember looking and thinking, oh, my, like I saw such lack of hope, um, and it could be the end of the year thing going on here as well, but I just saw – now it did get better as we went along, thank- thankfully. So it did loosen up a little bit, and, and it got better. The atmosphere seemed to get a little light, and I saw some, I had questions, and I saw smiles, and you know, communication. But still, the great majority just seemed hopeless, as if, uh, um, like the article that you sent today, like I have, like they would certainly be the ones that category, categorize each student on the very first day of school, sometimes maybe even before they see them, that they're already in that category of low standards or low expectations. So as a teacher, I guess, tell us what you're seeing um, inside and how we can help from the outside um, as parents, as just neighbors. Um, what are the, some of the things that you see, and how can we help eliminate some of those things that um, keep teachers from really doing their job?
0: I think teachers have a hard time uh, today overall just because of the, 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 the stress put on us, um, by the administration sometimes, by the by, by our school district sometimes, uh, by the state. Um, there's a lot of pressure on teachers and then there are a lot of things thrown at, thrown at us um, through professional development, um, through all types of workshops, seminars, mandates, I mean, you know that teachers, uh, teachers have to deal with that. And so that seems that to, you know, uh, play a big part um, in education and, and in the role of a teacher. And, you know, that's even before you step foot in the classroom. So teachers have a lot on them um, as it is. But then, you know, when you factor into it that, you know, now you have maybe a class of 25, 30 students, if not more, you know, now you have all of these things that you're dealing with when it comes to the kids that you may not even had a had an opportunity to, to prepare for just because of everything else that, you know, that is thrown at you before you even meet the kids. Um, and I think a lot of teachers today are are, are becoming more and more burnt out um, because of those things. But I think it's important for teachers to remember that the kids are our number one priority. Um, but um, aside from anything else, like we, it is our responsibility to make sure that whoever comes in our classroom, no matter where they come from, no matter what their background is, that it is our job to make sure that, that we are providing the best education for them as possible. And so I'm seeing a lot of teachers today getting burnt out before they have to do anything that that deals with the kids because of all of the pressure put on by you know, the state of the administration of the community. So by the time we even get to the kids, you know, we're so we're so beat down and so worn out that you know it makes being a teach being a teacher that much more difficult.
2: Do you feel that that is playing a great is that a great influence on teachers not setting those standards that we? So desperately need them to set from day one. Do you feel that the fact that they're burnt out uh, causes them to just kind of give up and not um, not adhere to those those standards, or at least express those standards to those children?
0: I think that there are um, I think that there are some teachers who um, feel like their hands are tied. Feel like their hands are tied because. Um, in talking with teachers um, all the time, uh, I met a young lady um, over the weekend. I was talking with uh, a young lady over the weekend, and I won't, you know, call out her school district or whatever. But I was talking with a young lady over the weekend, and she was saying that it's hard for for the teachers at her school to to do. you you know, anything in the classroom, they're so limited because they don't receive any support from the administration. So while they want to have, you know, there's great classroom management, they want to have these great expectations. It's it's kind of difficult for them to, because they don't get the support that they need from the administration. And um, she was saying that the kids know this, the kids know that, they can get away with certain things. So, you know, even if the teachers write them a discipline a referral, um, it's not going to go that far. So the kids tend to, you know, push the envelope a little bit more because, hey, there's not much you can do to me anyway.
2: So because they're
0: not receiving the support that they need from the administration and the kids know that they're only going to get a slap on the wrist no matter how bad the infraction is, um, like she was saying, she, she, she was talking about um, a kid threatening a teacher um, and pretty much nothing happened, which that's something that you should take seriously. So I think teachers feel like, you know, some teachers feel like their hands are tied. Is, there, is that an excuse? No, uh, because I know teachers, you know, who have been successful, and, I, and I'll talk about, some of those examples in a second, but I know teachers who have been successful, successful regardless of the circumstances. I'm of glad the you brought that, that up,
2: and, and if we could just kind of pause there for a minute, because it's easy, um, it's easy for we we could if we all looked at life, uh, especially in our profession, and I, and not to just put all this on teachers, because I I, I feel that. In, in in society, the business world, it, everywhere you kind of go, it just leaves you like really. Like no one has integrity, no one has seemingly that there's I should say no one. There's not a lot of people that really are concerned about what their the way they live. How does it speak for me? How am I holding up to who I say I am? Um, and that could be from you calling in to just do the simplest thing. It's like um, I use an example today. I, I had to call around for some business, and I promise you, I, I found myself thinking, if I if I was on the edge just a little bit more, I could really see myself going to hurt some people. Really, I mean, you could just you could <laughs> instantly lose it that quick because you call the same place to, to get an answer from people who should know their job, but someone at the top is allowing you to sit here, and you are sitting here like this because you feel like it's okay, nothing will happen because there's no eyes on you. The top is probably not doing their job. If you remember when Mr. Sanier was on here, he he spoke about when there's change needed, it usually needs to happen from the top to the bottom. Um
1: correct.
2: I look at you. You are you are a teacher and there are many more teachers who could could walk into a room and instantly get it in order because there's a certain level of expectation that you put out. There's a certain level of love that and concern that also comes with that. And I'm sorry for the most part children respond to that even in the home. So we we as we talk tonight about the teachers, I also want to go into the homes of the parents, regardless if it's a single parent home uh one I, it doesn't matter uh because parents today will use the excuse well i'm a, it's a- i'm you know I'm raising you know him by myself or her by myself. no excuse because it has been done. there are kids who come from single parent homes who knew what was going to get through and not um so I want to address teachers, but I also want to take it home as well because we are lacking on, I believe Mrs. Sonier said that as well, holding parents accountable before they walk in your door. Your, the That's t- true. Your child, as a parent, if you're listening, your child should know, I have to respect Mr. Jordan. I have to obey him because if I don't, when I get home, if I make it home, because if, you, if the parent gets called, they're going to come out here and get on me, not the teacher. And today it's just the opposite. If you call a parent, in most cases, they're coming to get on the teacher before they ask any
1: questions.
2: <laughs> well, back in the day, it was Just the opposite.
0: That is that is true, and, and uh, I know for me, growing up, the teacher was always right. And in, in my mother's eyes, the teacher was always was always right. And, and I remember getting a whooping one one time because the teacher called my called my house and, and my mom uh told me what she said, and I said, "I didn't do that and so my mom said, uh, well, are you calling the teacher a lion?" and I said, "Yeah, and my mom said i'm am gonna whoop you just for calling her in the bell am too higher and I was like, "Oh man, okay so I never called an adult a liar after <laughs> that, but um, it did used to be that way, but, but times have definitely changed. And I will say this, when it comes to, when it comes to expectations for children, um, just like in the article uh, that I was reading earlier today um, that I sent to you, children know what you think of them. Children know um, whether or not you believe in them, and they're going to act in accordance to that. If if in their mind um, they don't feel like you believe in them, then that's what they're going to give you. They're not going to come in and work hard and, and, and try to um, excel. They're, they're going to come in and they're going to give you the failing effort that you're expecting expecting anyway. That's what they're going to give you. Um, But if you believe that they can be successful, then that's the the type of work that they're going to give you. That's the student that you're going to see every day. So, you know, while there may be, you know, all of these things that teachers have to deal with, and, 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 and maybe teachers are not getting the support um, that they feel like they should, but there's always something that that you can do as a teacher. And um, one of the things that what what I what I do as a teacher is during the like after the school year is over, um, during the summer, um, I'll I'll reflect uh, back on the school year um, and start preparing for the next school year. Um, So I'll take uh, some days during the summer and I'll start um, getting ready for the next school year um, before we even have to go back. And I'll think about, you know, the things that that really worked. Um, And I'll think about the things that may need to be modified and I'll start putting together a plan for the next school year. And it always starts with a classroom management plan. That's always the first thing that I do. Um and so uh my former teaching partner um here in Manassas, we would always get together and we would have this classroom management plan in place before school started and we would we would look at it, we would look at look at it over and over again until until we were, were satisfied with it. And the students had to had to read it, they had to sign it, and then they had to take it home to their parents and their parents had to sign it. Um, and if the parents didn't sign it, then you know we would call home just to make sure that they at least saw it because you know we can't we can't force them to sign it, but we at least made sure that they were aware that we had this classroom management plan, and so everything that we expected of the students, they were aware of it. Everything that we expected of the parents, they were aware of it, and everything that they could have expected from us. They were aware of it, so it wasn't just, you know, these were the expectations of that we have of you all. Here are the things that you can expect from us.
2: What kind um, of things would you find on the list that you provided to the children? Give us an example of what would be, uh, what would be a typical thing on there, as to what you all um, expected the teachers from them.
0: Well, we 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 were we were very structured so uh we would have on there uh, pretty much what would be expected of them from the time they showed up uh at our door for class until the time that they met. So it was you know uh it would always start off with some sort of warm up or something like that and um you know, and then, you know, the lesson and how we were going to close and um, how we expected them to 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 be while they were in class. There was no such thing as um, you know I can't do my work because I don't have a pencil, unacceptable. Or I forgot my notebook, unacceptable. Um, you know we we had set times to go to the bathroom. There was no you know, raising of the hands all day long to go to the bathroom with. We, we didn't play that. Um, you know, the, the kids got to go to the bathroom twice a day. They went, you know, when they once when they were with her, and they went once when they were uh, with me, and that was the only time they got to use the bathroom with us. Now, if they went during PE or something like that, you know, we have no control over that, but, um uh, you know, and and we let them know we don't usually give out like we were we weren't teachers who who gave out a lot of homework. So when we did give out homework, you know, we expected them to do it. But even though we didn't give out a lot of homework, you know, the homework every day was to read for at least thirty to forty-five minutes. Um, you know, to practice their their mm-hmm. math facts or you know to study and things like that. Um, but we just let them know, like, they were expected to show up, you know, on time. They were expected to be prepared, meaning pencil, paper, notebook, textbook, whatever they needed. Like, they they were expected to show up with these things. And there was no such thing as, you know, I'm not going to try.
2: And how do you and feel that was, bent? do you feel for the most part, uh, for, you, for the two of you when you did that, was do you feel that it was really, did you see the benefits of it compared to prior years where you did not do that or have you always kind of set those standards at the beginning of the school school term?
0: Oh, it's been like that always. Um, and this is my sixth year teaching and I've been, I've been that way since I first started teaching and um, we always had very good, um, test results, um, like we would, we would get, I know one year um, I had 21 out of 54 students, 21 of them didn't pass the reading test as fifth graders. 12 out of the 21 passed the test as sixth graders. Um and she had maybe twenty three or twenty four that didn't pass the math test um in fifth grade, and all of them but one student didn't um all of them but but one student passed it um in sixth grade so we we always had very high test scores um so, you know, and we always had, like, the highest recovery rate or one of the highest recovery rates, meaning, you know, kids who didn't pass the test in fifth grade but then turned around and passed it in sixth grade. We always had, um, like, our recovery rate was always um, pretty high um, because we were able to, you know, get kids to 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 pass the, the, the test um, as sixth graders. So... It's kind of hard to accept excuses when, when you know that hey, it works for us. So you know it could work for other people too. Maybe they don't do it the same way we do it, but it could work for other people too if they take the time to um, if they take the time to you know to sit down and, and, and to first figure out what it is that they want the kids to accomplish. Uh, Because it all starts with a plan, and I think many people go into it without a plan. I think many teachers show up without a plan. I I think a lot of times, you know, we look at what kids did or did not do in the past, and we take that and we accept it, and we just say, well,
2: they haven't done
0: well all this time, so, you know, we may not come out and say that, of course, but I think that sometimes teachers do accept it. I think they, they, you know, sometimes, you know, we as teachers we look at kids' records, and and we accept the fact that they haven't um, had a good academic career, and we just say, hey, okay, and you know, they're only with us for ten months anyway, so. It, you know, it's not like we have to deal with it for the next 10 years. It's wrong to think that way. But I do think that sometimes there are people who do. And it's evident, you know, when, um, like in the article today, it, it, it talks about, it talks about how, you, how teachers give students work based on what they think that they are capable of doing and I've had sixth graders who were reading on a second grade level when they entered sixth grade. Now, that's a challenge, and, you know, so you have to find a way to kind of meet them where they are, but at the same time, hey, like, you're going to be in seventh grade next year. We have to get you as close as we can to reading on a, se- a seventh grade level by the end of the year and although you're only reading on a second grade level, you have to take a test at the end of the year on sixth grade material so you know it's it's hard but that it it makes a big difference when you set the expectations in the beginning and that and takes that's me one back. thing.
2: That takes me back, if I could, could just interject for just a minute. That takes me back. When you said a while ago, you said that it takes a plan and that the um, when when that you guys connected, came up with a plan, had it ready, shouldn't, as we talk about setting high standards and we talked about the top to the bottom, what a difference it would make if the top required, regardless of circumstances, situations, that our children come in here with, because in most cases, none of those things, a great majority of those things, they handpicked. They've just been dealt some things um, through life. So how great would it be if those expectations came from the top? And my question is, why do you feel it does not like, you you did it you, with another teacher. Um, I can remember a time when there were, and I don't know, you can tell us if there still is, there were plans. Um, teachers had to turn in their pl- lesson plan, and I believe it was every Friday, maybe. I, I can't remember exactly the date, but the lesson plan for that week had to be turned in, reviewed by the principal or whomever did it, put back in um, their box for that that week, Um, but, and, and I know that's a lot for a teacher as well, however, and it doesn't have to be to that extent, but why, why wasn't, or is it mandatory now for, for teachers to have a plan, if it's their own plan for the year, like you guys set out, is that, is that mandatory, and if not, why do you feel it's not, why it's not from the top to the bottom?
0: I think we're about to get in a lot of
2: trouble. <laughs> you? Well, I'll answer for you if you. Want. I mean, now, I just want now. your perspective from the teacher. <laughs> but I, I want to get in trouble tonight. I really want to get in trouble tonight. I really want to make people mad to the point where they call in because whatever, whether it's to chew us out or, or you know chew us on, it doesn't matter. So you say it, and I'll I'll, I'll back you up. <laughs> or I'll say it, and you back me up.
0: Oh I'm i i never worried, man. I'm never worried. Um, well, well I think I think it is I, I think it, it is a requirement in some places. It's not um, everywhere. Uh when I was in when I was teaching in New York um earlier this school year, um the ex the expectation and the requirement was that we submitted our lesson plans by 5 p.m. the Wednesday before okay, um, for the entire next week. Um, and that was so um, our department chairs uh, could look over them, uh, give us feedback. So if we need, needed to um, change anything, then we had enough time to do so. Um, so I think it is a requirement, um, in some places. I don't think that it is, um, across the board. Um, and I think that the reason why, um, I think the reason why, um, things that should be a requirement are not, like maybe maybe checking lesson plans or maybe having a classroom management plan, we don't really focus on things that will improve the lives of our children. Mm. We don't really focus on things that will improve teaching or that will improve education. We don't focus on those things, uh, such as, you know, what we just mentioned, lesson plans, classroom management plans. The things that we really need, we don't focus on those because our education system today deals with what sounds good and what looks good on paper. As long as it sounds good, hey, let's jump on it. Or if it looks good or if it's going to make us look good, to say that we're doing this, so let's, let's bring it in. And sadly, it usually doesn't work. And instead of asking teachers for their input and actually considering it,
2: what happens
0: is um, someone decides, hey, I'm going to write a book. They write a book. Next thing you know, the administrators, oh, we have to have this book. Or, hey, we we need this textbook. Look at everything that's in this textbook. Or, hey, look at this workshop. I think this is great. We We need to implement this right away. We need to implement this next school year. Not thinking about the dynamic, uh, the dynamics of the school, not thinking about you know the the students in the school, and because a lot of times the teachers know the students, but no one else does. so you have people. Make, uh making policies for 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 a population they don't know. They don't know what the kids need. You can go and ask a teacher uh, on the third or fourth day of school all of their students' names. They know all thirty or all sixty or ninety or how many they have. They know them all. But a lot of times the principals can't tell you two names of the kids in the school because they don't know the kids. Right. And you know, as you were so, talking
2: about implementing your plan, I wonder how effective it would be if principals came around to each class and made sure students signed something like that and, and give it back to them and let them know that you will get a copy, but they are also holding them accountable. As you were talking about how you and your your partner did it there, how awesome would it be to have the principal as well go around um, and do that? I remember when Brandon was in the sixth grade and I saw his principal out eating, and I was in awe that she knew exactly whose parents we were. She knew that Brandon wasn't with us. She knew she, she was that in tuned into her school, and it was a phenomenal school was in Florida, to the point where she made herself, as best as she could, know not just every child, but try to know their parents as well. And Brandon wasn't a child, of course. You all probably know that by now, that went to the office, so she wouldn't have had a reason to know him that way. Um, but just the fact that she made herself visible to them. Uh, she shared her expectations of what she needed from them, so that her school would be and would be the best that it would be. I mean it was like she would put you out just as as soon as she would let just as quick as she would let you in that you are you are held accountable here and and it was a, a phenomenal school and just a great school
0: We had a first that came to our school a, a few years ago. And, and he said, um, he said that a school that has a great leader and mediocre teachers will be just fine, but a school that has great teachers and a mediocre leader is, is destined to fail mm. because it, because. Because with a great leader, like you know, that that principle will, will will get those teachers to do a great job, even if they're just mediocre teachers. Who, but if you're not, if you don't have great leadership, then it doesn't matter how good the, the teachers are. Because that that poor leader is going to br- eventually bring that school down, and I think it's really unfortunate that a lot of the things that um, that are in place, the students are are not getting a whole lot out of it, and even they get sick of testing. You know, they'll they'll say we got a test again. We just took a test the other day. They don't even understand why they have so much testing because it doesn't make sense to them. It doesn't make sense to the teachers. It makes sense to the administrators or the pe- people who don't have to administer the test. It makes a lot of sense to them because they don't have to deal with it. The only thing that they have to deal with is the results because the results, you know, tell the story about the school. And so as long as the results are great, you know, the administrators are happy. If they're not, they're, then they start coming down on the teachers. And it's just unfortunate. You know, a lot of times we, ha- we, we, we have to attend workshops or we have to attend, you know, these seminars and things and teachers get frustrated because they don't see, because we as teachers don't see where it's going to impact our students in the way that we feel that our students could benefit from.
2: Would you say that you, many of the teachers or the workshops that you all have to visit as teachers, um, I found this to be the the case uh, for the school systems that I was blessed to work in, that many of the people, as you mentioned, the books and and things like that, many of the things that are incorporated in the school system or schools are from people who never have been maybe even inside of a school just to simply work, whether it be a teacher or whatever, that many of the things that they bring in um, to adopt were written, and, and even down to conferences and things like that, where having people come in you reminded me of the blueberry story where they have this ice cream owner, business owner, come in and talk to the teachers about his famous blueberry ice cream. And uh, one of the teachers at the end said, "What do you do when you get a bad batch of blueberries?" And he and he meant he and his in this reading that I did, he he knew where she was coming from. Um, But, of course, he gets to send his back and get get what he needs to make his ice cream. And so her response was, we don't get to do that. We have to take them ADHD, broken, unloved, whatever. We have to take them and we have to keep them and we have to get – we have to still basically make that ice cream. We have to come up with – they expect us to come up with that famous ice cream. You get to send back and get what you need for your ice cream. And I think that's what teachers run into. You're pulling me away. From, from all of this, on top of everything else, I'm dealing with, and you bring me here to someone has, that has no idea what my day is like.
0: <laughs> I think that's one of the things that bothers a lot of teachers. Um, if you think about it, um, and, and, and I don't know to what extent this is true, uh, what extent this is true, but we have. Um, government officials, um, you know, making policies for public schools, and their children have never been been to a public school. <laughs> their their, their
1: children,
0: wow. their children, they put their children in private schools, yet they make policies for public schools. So what you're saying is you you know that there's something wrong with your policies, and that's why you don't want your child to be a part of it. If their policies were good enough or they knew that they were making public schools good enough, their children would be in public schools. But since they don't feel like public schools are good enough for their children, they send their children to private schools. And then we have a lot of people, as you said, there are a lot of people. If you want, if you want to make some money today, all you have to do is create something that relates to education. Why? Because so many school districts are going to buy it because we, we have become professional development junkies. Anything you put out there that says, hey, this is going to improve the quality of education at your school, school districts will hop on it. And there are people out here who are making
2: thousands okay, so of dollars. i got to stop you for a minute there. Who's accountable when it's when, when there's no evidence that, this, these things are working um who who is accountable for that? Because i certainly a, a, agree with you one hundred plus percent on that it, it, it's it's this it's this business it's like church it's become this business that is is ran by oh gosh <laughs> so who's accountable when when the when there's no um Evidence of these things working, and clearly there is not. Who's accountable for spending that type of money and 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 adopting these things into the into the system continuously, and they not work.
0: When students fail in education, the first finger pointed is at the teacher. Hmm. Um, okay. Is you, it, it, the blame usually starts with the teacher. Um, because the teacher should have figured out something. So the brain usually starts with the teacher. Um, if it's bad enough, then, you know, um, you know, they'll start to look at the principals or the assistant principals. But it's very rare that the people, um, at the central office level or the school administration in, in the school administration building, it's where those people take the blame and they're the ones making the decisions. Um, but the problem is, again, how how can you, how can you say that this, that, that something is going to work for a group of people that you, you don't, you don't know them, you know, it, that's just, like me. that's just like me trying to uh, uh, invent something that's going to improve life in China. I don't know anything about China. Never been there. Uh, haven't done a whole lot of research on China. I don't know anything about China. So why would I try to create something and, 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 and you know, advertise it to China and say, hey, I think this will improve the quality of life in China. I've never, never been there. You know, and so we have people who have never stepped foot in the classroom, but yet they're making policies that are supposed to improve education. We have people so, who so have Rodney, never.
2: Do, do parents have any, um, How how is that, How well, I don't, I don't know if it makes sense to even ask this question. I was going to say how do things like that get by parents, but parents are not involved. So that's number, number one, I guess, when there are things, like the board meetings and the P, even PTO meetings. So I know they're not really at the board meetings because I remember it was like pulling teeth to get parents to come out to PTA or PTO, whatever they call it now. Um, we would have kids who are saying, "Would you call my mom and ask or my dad and see, ask them will they come?" Especially when there was competition going on. But when things like that are pulled into the school system, are what happens um how are how are parents notified, or are they are, are parents able to vote or visit situations and things like that? Is it just totally up to the school system
0: um when it comes to um implementing um, different programs that that's uh, that's pretty much on the school on on the school division um, I don't think parents ha have a say in, in, in in the programs now, I guess if they, um, I guess if they don't like something, you know, they can they can try to address it at a school board meeting or something like that. Um, but I don't think that the parents have too much say uh, when it comes to the different programs that the school division chooses to take on. What
1: about uh,
2: curriculum? But is what, what about what about curriculums? Just do, just, for instance, can you still? Would one still be able to? Um, for instance, when we were when I moved back here um, and everywhere else that we would move, I would call and say I want a copy of your curriculum, and I could almost hear the you could you could feel the silence through the phone. Like what? Who asks? Who does that? Who who asks for that? <laughs> and so much so, to one one really one principal. Uh, actually called and told me, I have never had someone coming into my school system ask for my curriculum. I'm like, oh, well, here you go. And he was just elated to be able to, to even talk and, and send it. But just imagine what what it did. To, he probably could not wait to, to see who's coming to his school. But as a parent, I wanted to know so that I can make a decision if he comes to your school or not. You know, so I, I want to. I really want to get on parents here because um, we're sending you guys some bad blueberries. I'm gonna go back to the blueberry store. sending, and, and there's no way you can make blueberry ice cream out of blackberries. I mean, <laughs> or maybe I should say strawberries. Well, want to take that the wrong way. We'll say strawberries. So,
0: I will really say a lot of a lot of times parents are concerned with grades. Um, as long as their children are making A's and B's, they're happy, especially if they feel like their their, their children are R-O students. Their children, you know, they may not be, but if the parents feel they are R-O students, then their child better be bringing home A's and B's. If not, you, you're going to hear from their parents. Um, other than that, um, you usually, usually, um, I haven't heard a, a lot about people hearing from parents outside of grade, um, unless you just have a relationship, uh, unless you build that rapport with the parents. Like I, I've always tried to, um, you know, build a rapport uh, with with my students and their families, um, which is another thing that, that that has helped me be successful. Um, as a teacher, um, getting getting the support of 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 the parents or the grandparents or whoever. Um and then, you know, even years later, um, you know, still maintaining that relationship. But a lot of times if it's not related to grade, parents really don't um get involved, I don't think. Um a lot of times we, you know, we don't even meet parents unless, you know, we ask them to come in. Um, you know, we have to get on the phone or we have to email them and, you know, ask them to come in. Would, it's not like would, a lot of parents are going to come in on their own.
2: Would you say that you've had some children that you've you've taught for a full year and never met their parents? Would you, would that, has that ever been a case for you?
0: Oh, absolutely. Uh, but there, there's been a lot of those. <laughs> um, what would you what
2: What do you think that does to a child as far as um, how they feel about their education?
0: Um, uh, those children did not uh, did not do well, mm. um, or as well as they should have. Um, you know, some of them. They they would have to really be that child that you know that they were just determined anyway, but a lot of times those students they were usually like the the, the C and D students, um, because I think and that goes back you know to the whole idea of setting these high expectations, you know, and just like it says in the Bible when you when, when you're a child you to think like a child. You're going to understand as a child. You're going to reason as a child. So as a child, you don't know what it means to set expectations. So you kind of rely on the adults in your life to set expectations for you. And, you know, and when your parents don't take your education seriously, chances are you're not going to take it seriously either. If it doesn't mean anything to them, why should it mean anything to you? You know so I think it's hard for children to to really get involved you know um it's 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 hard enough with all the the distractions and the peer pressure that our that our kids have today anyway but then on top of it your 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 mom and dad aren't interested in in what's going on at school or they're not interested in meeting your teachers. I think it, it it just makes it it just makes it even worse. Um I know mean my 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 mom, uh, you know, she wasn't at school all the time but, you know, every you know, once she did get an opportunity she was there. Mm. But that's not the that's not the way it is anymore.
2: You mentioned earlier that people um and we were we were uh I think I'm trying to remember how we got there but you mentioned that people don't um really tap into what's best uh for them or what those good things that that work basically and I feel like a, a great deal of our our problem here is that People as a whole, whether it's a teacher, a preacher, a mother, a father, people as a whole are just not accountable and not attracted to things that promote change, That things that they have to uh, do something about or that will cause them to see something in themselves, recognize something in themselves, that they'd rather... Allow the problem to continue on, rather than say, "Hey, I have a, I am, I am part of the solution here, or part of the the problem here." But let's fix it. That they would rather save face and allow a multitude of our children to fail, rather than say, "We we got this wrong. Let's let's redo this." Um, and that's a huge issue to fix because it's so embedded from the top to the bottom, from the bottom to the top. It, you almost look at the situation and you just want to say, let's pack up and let's just, just move as far away from <laughs> from here as possible, wherever you are. Um, I, I I just don't know how you fix that. This is the start, of course, talking about it. But, again, this is one of those those shows that you hope for, all 25 people who said they were going to be on here, but I'll tell you, looking at the numbers, they're, they're not unless they're listening online where we can't see it. But had had this been a show about how a woman can get a man or a man can get a woman or how you can go and do this,
1: the lines <laughs> blow
2: up. And so, I mean, and and I'm, and again, I want to twist the table. I know we probably have not even touched on the, the the things that that we wanted to as far as this article, but let's let's hit some of the surface here because, you know, there we have good teachers, we have bad teachers, just like we have good mothers and and bad mothers, good fathers, bad fathers. We in every area, we're gonna always find that. However, it I look at the top as being whomever is under my roof if 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 my child is leaving my home when he gets to you number 1 as a parent there should not be um I would say even a week before you hear from me because number 1 you have my little person 8 hours seven, eight hours, I need to see you. If not before, I need to see you. I need to put my eyes on you. I need to know who you are. I need to get a feel for you. I need to understand what your expectations are so that I make sure he knows, and now I need you to know what your expectations are of me. However, women, men are more focused on their own egotistic lives and looking like what you were saying earlier, what sounds good and what looks good. It doesn't matter you, that you know the truth, that it's just sounding good, it's not really good, it doesn't matter to you that it just looks good, it's not really good, as long as you think it is and I think that you think it is, I'm okay. Even if it means my child fails, I'm okay. Again, that's a huge problem to fix, looking looking on the inside of it. So what do we do, teacher? What do we do? <laughs>
0: I think. Um, <laughs> um, well, I will, I, I will say this. Um, I think that you know it goes back to the whole having a plan, and you know I'm one of those. I'm one of those teachers that um, I kind of work all year long. Like you know, we we have. We have a lot of time off um, as teachers, Um, but I don't always spend all of that time not working, Uh, especially like in the summer. Like I'll still do uh, different things in the summer to get ready for the next school year. Um, Usually we have to report back a week or two before the kids come back, And my lesson plans for the first two weeks are are usually done by the time we have to go back. Um, So I I, I think that it starts with a plan. And it has to be one that you know whether the students reach your your goals or not, they're going to have a good year. Um but I think I think a lot of times we're afraid and I think that we that, that we're also lazy. It's easy to just accept well this kid, you know, hasn't done much since he's been in school. So if he doesn't do anything this year, no one can really say anything to me because hey he hasn't done anything in grades K-5, so if he doesn't do anything in grade 6, he just met our expectations. Um, and I think that we accept that. We go along with that. And we're okay because, hey, you know, why are you mad at me? He hasn't done anything. He didn't do anything before he got to me. So why, why are you mad that he, you know, wasn't successful here? And a, and a lot of times, um, you know, we're pacified. You know, uh, and then we turn around and we pacify the kids. You know, and, we, and 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 we tend to feel sorry for kids because they come from a single parent home, or because they they live in a bad neighborhood, or you know they they have to take care of their little brothers and sisters because mom is working two or three jobs or, or whatever the case may be, but. There are no excuses, and there are no exceptions. If you want kids to do well, then you you, you communicate that to them. You know, it said that in the article today, and and we publish it. Uh, tell people where they can find the article, or maybe post it on the page. But you communicate it to them. So you come up with a plan. And the plan may change at some point, but you come up with a plan and then you communicate your plan to the kids. The first day of school every year, the only thing my students have to do is listen to me. I write a speech that I'm going to give the first day of school. I write it every summer. And the first day of school, I have that conversation with the kids. And I let them know, I'm your teacher, and that's it. I'm not your dad. I'm not your brother. I'm not your homeboy. I'm not your friend. None of this. I am your teacher. Here's what I expect of you as my student. Here's what you can expect of me as your teacher. And even... Teaching sixth graders, I never took for granted that their previous teachers taught them certain things, or that their parents taught them certain things, even down to walking in a straight line, because of several different reasons, but when you are walking through the hallway, you need to know how to walk through the hallway. And we could practice this the first week of school. And during the year, all the teachers will walk by my kids and be like, man, this is a really nice line. I wish my kids would do this. But I bet you that teacher didn't take the time to do that. I bet you they didn't take the time to walk there. Because, again, for whatever reason, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to share these expectations. I'm not even going to create expectations. Just in my mind, you're supposed to do certain things. But it doesn't work like that. Teaching cannot be a a fairy tale. It, it, it's a realistic job. Kids, kids have problems. They're coming to school with those problems. You know, and a lot of times, teachers don't know how to deal with their problems because most teachers didn't have the same problems growing up. And so... They don't know how to separate, you know, their background, students' background. They don't, they don't know how to talk to the kids. And a lot of times we want to be liked, so we try the friendship thing or we let them do do things that they should not do because we want them to like us. or We think that if we allow them to get away with certain things or, you know, if they view us as, oh, he's nice or she's nice, then we'll get a lot out of them. It works for a while. But the moment you put your foot down, you just lost that kid because they were not expecting that, you know?
2: I personally think you get more out of them when they when they respect you for who you are and who they feel they are to you and that you expect these things of them because you believe in them and really want what's best for them. I think you get so much more out of kids um, of all age ages once they realize, hey, this one's different. That that she's just he or she is not just here for a paycheck. I've I've and I want you to be able to get in this article too. But I and I want you to I want to ask this before getting into the article. I've had many kids say that they feel that that teachers um, it's almost like they want them to fail. Is that I've heard many this year as well. Say, you know, it's like they want you to fail. It's like they they expect you to to fail, and they create things that will help you fail. That's how some I've had some of my little girls tell me that. And 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 imagine going to school every day in front of someone. Uh, not not beating up teachers because again, we we've, we've expressed that is we understand that you guys have a hard time. But it's also important for teachers to understand as well that you may be the only one, the only one that can reach this child. You may be the one that can make the difference. And it's so important to help teachers realize or go back to that place, for the most part, what made you select or want to be a teacher in the beginning? In spite of knowing the salary, in spite of knowing what society shows us about teaching and what the stresses that you go through, even now, you have a great number of people um still wanting to go to school to be teachers. You hear the 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 sayings that they want to go because they're off so many days and it's worth it to ten months you know just to be off holidays and all that too. You hear those stories, but how we we can't ignore when you hear kids. Not the same kids, not kids that even have a relationship with each other. I've heard it from all spectrums. They just—it feels like they want you to fail. How do you address those 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 issues?
0: Um, well, first of all, it, it, honestly, the, those teachers should not be teaching. Um, if, if you go into a classroom as a teacher, and you are expecting the kids to fail, it says a lot about who you are as a teacher and who you are as a person. No matter what the circumstances are, you should always go in and have high expectations, period. When I was in New York, um, 24% of my eighth graders passed the state test as seventh graders. Only twenty four percent. And I told the special ed teacher that I work with. I said my goal is for all of them to pass the test this year. And she said and she asked me, Do you really believe it will happen? And I said, until I see the scores, yes. I will never believe that my kids won't pass the test until I see the scores that say, hey, your kid didn't pass the test. Then at that point, I have to accept that they didn't pass it. But until you, until they take the test and don't pass it, I'm going to believe that they can pass the test. And, you know, and, and I and I've heard... Um, administrators say, well, our goal is to to get uh, 70% pass rate this year or 80% or whatever. I don't know how to teach like that. And I understand their point, but I don't know how to teach to get 70% of my kids to pass. I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to teach for 100%. If it ends up being seven and in, which I believe is their point, okay, fine. But I cannot go into it thinking that my goal is to get seventy percent of the kids to pass, because what thirty percent am I leaving out? I think your goal should be one hundred percent of the year, because if you again, if you set the bar that high, then who knows what will happen? You know, a lot of times we we, we get so caught up in, in, in these things of the world that we forget that perfection does happen. But because the world always tells us nobody's perfect or, you know, this can't happen or, you know, it, it kind of becomes a part of us to beat ourselves up or, you know, to sell ourselves short. No. You, when I walk into this classroom, I'm going to teach as if I believe every kid is going to pass this test. When I leave in the evenings, when I go home on Fridays over the weekend, and as I'm preparing for the next week, guess what? I'm preparing as if 100% of the kids are going to pass the test. I've never had a 100% pass rate. However, I, I did inherit, you know, 40 or 50%, and then that turned into 80, which I can live with that. But I'm not going to say, "Well." Let's go and get fifty percent. Let's go and get sixty percent. No, you go in and say, "Hey, we're going to all do this. We're going to do it together." You know, and and, and the kids used to laugh at me because I would always tell them, you know, we're going to pass the test. And they and they would they would ask me, "Well, how are you so sure?" And I would always say, "Because I'm your teacher," you know, <laughs> because I'm your teacher, you're going to pass. But it's about getting them to buy in to, your yeah. to what you're doing.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, all it takes is confidence. A lot of these kids don't do well because they already don't feel good about themselves.
2: Right.
0: And then you have these teachers who are making it even worse. And,
2: and see, why, I mean, that's what I don't, I, I, I can't Quite get it, and I wish I could try to understand from both perspectives teaching and parenting. Um, I, I, I don't understand how one could get to the point where they can consistently see and be okay with children coming in and out of their door where they have so much uh, potential to make a difference in a life, in a little life, um, to where they would not say, can't do this anymore. I, I'd rather go and flip burgers than have this on my conscience that I have twenty plus people here that I'm no longer concerned about. I don't know how one sleeps at night with that on their conscience. Same thing with parenting. I don't. I, I think of the book. Anybody who think big, Ben Carson. That is an amazing story, um, where. Ben comes from a, a single-parent home where mom could not read past, and I think math as well, third-grade level, but she was determined, oh, but not you. Whatever I have to do, not you. And and, and I, I don't understand, as a parent, how do you not have that drive? But it goes back to not having it for yourself either, so much so until you don't see it as possible um, so where when they come home with the ten, fifteen spelling words, um, even if you can't spell the word if someone asks you to, now you have it in front of you. You know what an A is, hopefully a B. And if you don't, then we gotta find a way to to help parents understand that even if you can't, as this parent couldn't, and think big. Oh, let let's not let it be two lives. Let let's not pass this on. And I guess. That's what um, you know. There just needs to be some more focus on ah. holding parents accountable as well, you know. Because I feel when a parent sends a child with expectations and, and, and expresses that to that teacher that hey, I am concerned. I'm doing the best I can here. I'm I'm sending uh, little Johnny or whomever, and I'm here to the be- with the best of my ability. I'm here. Um, if you need me I think when you get two people like that on, on one team You have a chance But we're we're missing the connection And I feel that we're missing it on purpose um, It's like when we talk about money he the, the guy that talks about that Said the system is not broken It was designed that way Well I feel like the education system Is no longer broken They have reinvented the wheel So that it breaks I, That's personally I feel like We're fighting a battle That the top has designed or is okay with it being this way. Because as I talked to you about a 60 being a C here, who finds logic in that? Who at the top finds logic in that? And who at the the bottom, if you want to call it, as parents, don't have an issue with that to the point where, I mean, nothing. I hear nothing about it here. So looking, when I say going in, how do we fix that? Is it fixable? Is it doable?
0: I think it is fixable um, if people were to get involved, and I, and I don't, um, I don't, I, I, I don't just mean by by talking. If people were to actually take a stand, if teachers started taking a stand. If parents became more involved, then it would change. The problem is parents don't get involved a lot of times, again, like I said, until, until grades are, are, are impacted or somebody messing with their baby, um, and then teachers talk amongst themselves. We don't have. um, There's a there's a guy though who who said, you know, we don't know how to fight anymore. We don't know what it means to to start a movement. We don't know the the power in numbers. He said we we lost all of that, and I think he's right. It's a, it's well, I don't know if we lost it,
2: Rodney. I think it's—it's. I don't know if we have really lost it. It's just—it's gone to another place. Because they know when to show up. It's just nothing happens after they—they're—they're they're okay with just showing up and for certain things. because they clearly know how to come together when it's going to be televised or there's some sense of of um, some gratification to them. Something that says, "See, I just think there's so much sickness from the top to the bottom." that has been just not touched from society saying oh it's okay let's tiptoe around these issues it's okay let's continue to let what happens happens and no one's ha- no one's is being held accountable from the top to the bottom you know some of the things yeah. that happen people should get fired and parents should get fired as well you know you 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 cannot do your job here as a parent. You cannot parent. You are not parenting. And and I, it's sad that it has to come to that, and some people may think that's a little harsh, but I'm sorry. We are losing. We are losing by a great number.
0: Well, it, it, it's just like you said, too. You think about it. Tonight's show, we don't have nearly as many listeners that we were expecting. Yet, if this were a show about drama, mm-hmm. the, you know, the lives would be blown up, you know, but this isn't a reality show. All right. This isn't if this were the real teachers of Atlanta, maybe, I don't know,
2: <laughs> you know. Wow, great show idea. Maybe we should. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: you know,
1: or the real teachers of LA. <laughs>
0: yeah, you or know, the real teachers of LA all this other nonsense that's out here. If it were that, it'd be a different story. But since is not, you know, since it's not about the drama, or since it's not a show that's promoting foolishness, then people can find other things to do. And I think that's a big part of the problem. Sadly, and which is my my biggest problem of the whole thing is that the ones who suffer the most have the, the the least input and that's the children
1: right
0: when parents make bad decisions it affects the child right parents decide not to pay the bills guess what just impacted the kids teachers decide to show up unprepared guess what just impacted the kids. Right. Government officials, education officials, principals, superintendents, whoever puts a bad policy in place, who's affected the most? The kids. We have a number of things in our education system that just aren't working starting with there's no child left behind nonsense, this isn't working.
2: Right, right. You know? But, but but, parents, see, we as a society, we realize that it's not working, just like we know that the C, 60 being a C, is not going to work. But when you talk about the numbers, where are they? You, you hear no talk about that. In the chat line, we have a, a comment from um, back in River City, which is Eve, um she says Ben Carson says that any child can succeed if they have someone to believe in them that can be a teacher, grandmother, coach, pastor, but they have to have that person who convinces them they can achieve and succeed, uh which kind of validates what we're saying here tonight. Well, where are those people you know where where are those those people we have We have parents. Uh, mothers who will knock down the doors dancing um, hip-hop in heels. We have organizations that teaches our young girls how to dance in heels and charge $60 a pop. You take your little girls to that. You go to your um, whatever. And, again, do what you do, but your your parenting. If you decide to be a parent or you are, you are what you are. You're a parent now. You've got to do what you've got to do. And when you don't, I'm sorry. It's you are what you are to me at that point. There are No excuses. Because you can't say it cannot be done. I just shared with you Ben Carson, Think Big, where his, his mom came from. If you just want to say nothing, and he's a professor, neurosurgery, plastic surgeon, oncology, and pediatrics, a director of some neurology, I think it's John Hopkins Medical Center, um, because she said, oh, no. This will not repeat itself because she instilled in something in him to make him feel, I can do this. And then he talks about in his book teachers that he encountered as well that encouraged him. He can remember the words that they said to him back then. And that's what I, I hope teachers will just, you guys have a tough job, and I and I used to be very hard on teachers. I'm telling you, after going to that school and looking in the faces of teachers that day, you see, some, you still see something inside of them that they feel like there's, there's no hope. There's nothing I can do with what what's inside of me. There's nothing. I wish I could could give these kids what they need, but I got a bad batch of blueberries, and I can't I can't do anything. I can't feed. I can't do anything with that. And so, conversations. like I these. Mean, go ahead.
0: No, yeah, I was just gonna say I blame the administration for that. If oh, if the te- if the teachers are unprepared, I blame the administration. Yeah. Because there's no way I'm going to be the head of a school and I'm going to have someone in front of my kids who isn't ready.
2: How would you How would you fix that problem, uh, Ronnie, If you were administrator, because they will tell you our hands are tied. You have tenure. You have. Um, I mean, I, I literally worked at a school where we knew, everybody knew. Um, she was absolutely drunk every day, walking around. And the alcohol was in her coffee thing and, and knew it. But the, the excuse was tenure. We can't touch her. Really? Seriously?
0: It, I mean, parents
2: were complaining, everything. They let her retire after about two years.
0: It's funny that you asked that. Um up until about a year and a half ago, maybe two years, I never wanted to be an administrator. Um, it had crossed my mind, but I did. I did not want to be an administrator. Um, one, one because. I didn't want to deal with the politics of being an administrator. True, I saw uh, how administrators, I guess, felt they had to be, and I knew it. Went, that that wasn't going to work for me um, because I'm not really kissing up the people. And I don't care who it is. And so I saw a lot of things, and I just said, nah, this this is something that's not for me. But about a year and a half ago, um, that thought changed. And I said, you know what? That's exactly why I need to be an administrator, because somebody needs to change this nonsense. Somebody needs to needs to take a stand somebody needs to step up and be the administrator that these teachers need that these schools need that these kids need and I don't know um, it's easier to say what you know what I would do uh, but you never know until you're actually in the position but What I would like to do, um, and my plan is to start um, uh, my graduate program uh, this coming fall to get my administration certification, um, and if that all works out, I'll be uh, finished in two years. But what my plan would be, um, my, my teachers would go through, um training before school started, but it would be training relevant to their job. It wouldn't be a whole lot of extra stuff that we have to deal with now, things that we probably aren't going to use Things that just sound good or just look good or they work you know uh in Canada uh so we think that they're going to work here. It wouldn't be all of that all of that uh nonsense but one of the first things that I would have them do is a classroom management plan. Um, I would give them, um, since since I already have one, I would give them a model and say, hey, you don't have to use mine, but this is a start for you because everybody's different. But I would give them a model and say, hey, here's, a model classroom management plan. Yours doesn't, you know, you don't have to use mine, but you need to have certain components. Walk me through a typical day in your classroom. Mm-hmm. And you need to put it in writing. You know, if your class is from 8.30 to 9 o'clock, what is going to happen? in your classroom every second from 8.30 to 9 o'clock. No, you don't have to put 8.30, 8.31,
1: 8.32.
0: But I need to make sure that every moment you have children in your classroom, it is accounted for and it is productive and you are getting the most out of those kids, whether it's 30 minutes, an hour, 90 minutes, what are you going to be doing for that time period? And it needs to be in writing. And I would review it if, if, I was, if I was satisfied with it. I would approve it. Okay. Next step, first day of school, I expect you to deliver these expectations to your students. I expect you to communicate them verbally. Then I expect you to model it. Then I expect you to walk through it with them and then give them chance give give them a chance to do it on their own. And for the first couple of weeks of school, this needs to be your daily practice. Until the students get to a point where they can do it without you, this needs to be repeated every single day. Because I've always believed that the best classrooms are the ones that can run, run, run themselves. Yep, yep, yep. There, there, um, I remember my first year teaching, um, someone came down the hall, And I wasn't in my room, and so someone was coming down the hall, and they heard all this noise, and they knew that my kids were in the room and I wasn't in there. So they immediately thought that the noise was coming from my room, but the noise was actually coming from across the hall, and that teacher was in the room. Hmm. And they said, this is strange. We felt the noise was coming from your room because you weren't in there. And I was just on the back side of the classroom um, in that hallway. But it was amazing to them that here you have this class that has an adult in the room and it sounds like a zoo, yet your, your kids are by themselves and they're fine but that's the way a classroom should be. The kids should know when I come in the classroom, I know exactly what to do from 8.30 to 9 o'clock. And what I always do is if you miss a step in our procedures, no problem, we're just going to go back and do it again. No, I'm not going to call you, mother. I'm not going to write your referral. I'm not going to send you to the office. Nope. You missed step five. So guess what? We're going to go back to step four, and then we're going to go to step five. Then we'll move on. But I would have them do that, and I I I would put teachers through that type of training. Then we would talk about lesson plans. And how their lesson plans needed to be to make sure that, <clears throat> excuse me, that they were giving their kids a chance to be successful.
2: Rodney, you, you brought up a good point about the you, you wouldn't send them to you know you wouldn't always. There's some things that just does not warrant sending a, a student to the office, and I hear that a. I hear that a lot from kids as well. There's things that just are so petty. We just gonna kids are gonna be kids to an extent. They're gonna that we did it. They're gonna do some things. They're gonna make some bad choices. Um, they're not gonna be these perfect kids. But sometimes, you know, kids are sent to the office. Um, I think Mrs. Sanier said that as well. That let the crime fit the time or or something like that. Some things can be handled in the classroom but if we consistently send kids to the office for these minor things, um, then then in most cases the kid is the child is going to be looked upon as um labeled or troublemaker or whatever, not being one of those kids that you already or someone else in the school as well now has an expectation of, you know, very minimal of this child how do we how do i mean what do we do with that cuz that happens a lot that happens like so much where kids are sent for things that you could have just nipped in the bud just with a look if you had control over your classroom you could look over and and they know no get it right come on back with it go ahead
0: as a, a um, as a principal um, if I if I were a principal I would make that clear to the to my teachers during the training. If if there are issues in your classroom, I'm not gonna only look at the student. I'm gonna look at you too, um, because I need to know all of the facts i'm the, I will support my teachers, but I also need to know you know what led the student to do this you know did you you know if if you give if you give kids five minutes of just i guess free time, maybe I don't know. <clears throat> Um, if you give them five minutes of idle time, you've got to expect that they're going to be kids during that time. Mm-hmm. So if that child was, was cutting up during that five minutes, okay. I'm going to support you, but I'm also going to tell you, hey, you need to find a way to keep them busy so that you don't run into these issues. Because uh, kids Kids are usually behavior problems when they struggle with the subject matter and when they're bored. If I'm not a good reader when it's time to read or if I know you know I'm going to read in class, I'm probably going to create some issues because I'm not a good reader and so <clears throat> Excuse me, to make sure that the other kids don't find out that I'm not a good reader, I'm just going to be a huge distraction in class so that, you know, the other kids never find out that I'm not a good reader. And if I'm bored, I'm going to create issues in your classroom. You know, kids are are going to be kids. And I would make sure my teachers understood that.
2: Righty, that's a great point. That's a great point. Now, that is a great point. I hope you have that in the book. That is a great point. You know, and you would expect a teacher to to be able to pick up on that after, you know, when is little Johnny acting up, um, if it is during reading, and then compare what you know he or she is, is, is not able to do, and then, you know, offer some assistance or, or make some recommendations so that we can get get him up. But that that is a great point, a great point. I never thought about it like that.
0: When when, 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 when kids when kids feel good about themselves, they're totally different kids. You never hear about kids. Okay, here's an example. Take. Take take a student who always getting in trouble every time it's time to go to math class, time to go to English class, always in trouble, right? Excuse me. You never hear about kids getting referrals from the PE teachers. Never. Why? Because they're playing PE teachers hardly ever have to write with first. <laughs> because the kids are playing football, they're playing basketball, they're playing soccer, they get socialized with their friends, they're running around, using all their energy. They're fine. Put them in a the reading class? Nah, that's all right. I can't read. Nobody ever told me how to read. You know, teachers gave up on me after the third grade. They stopped trying to help me because I was so far behind. They didn't have the patience to deal with me. So now I'm just going to sit in your classroom and be a distraction. Instead of, you know what? Let me help this student become a better reader. That will eliminate the issues that you're having. But we don't take the time to figure out where these disciplinary problems are coming from. I coached a boy one time, uh, football, years ago. He was always angry. Always angry. And so one day I got a hold of him before he got on the bus and I said, Why are you always angry? And he still and he still was just pouting and everything, face balled up. I said let me guess. Somebody's always yelling at you when you're at home, aren't they? And he said, Jill yeah. I said, it's probably your dad, too, isn't he? Yeah, how you know? Lucky guess. <laughs> but he was always angry because his dad was always yelling at him, and he couldn't yell back at his dad or take it out on his dad. So when he came to school, he yelling at everybody, going off on everybody for no reason. And so my wife and... To him was okay. I'm sending Jake, but I tell you what: since you're playing football, contact sport, just take it. when you're out, practice, games, take it out there. Don't try to hurt anybody, but put all of that energy into playing football. Just do that. But a lot of times we don't want to get to the bottom of it. We don't want to find out what the real problems are. One because we we're, we're afraid we don't have an answer. And two, we're just so caught up in our own things that we don't we don't understand. I don't think kids to the office, and, and, I, and I tell them that the first day of school, way I'm going to send you to the office. The only way I'm writing you a referral is if you do something, but I'll lose my job if I don't write the referral, meaning you bring drugs to school, yes, I'm writing you up, because if I don't write you up, I'm going to lose my job. So if I'm going to lose my job, if I don't report it, Yes, I'll report it. But other than that, I'm not. I'm not writing a referral. I'll deal with it myself.
2: And and how long is going before we get into? Because I, I do want you to talk a little bit about this article. I know we've um, we only have about 15 minutes to go before we run out of our. We've talked two hours about this, and we do have listeners. Um, and I, and I'm thankful for those of you who are tuned in, tuning in, um, still with us thank you because this is how it begins so thank you my hats off to to each and every one of you who is on with us tonight and for those of you who will go back and listen or listen to the archive show as well but um, I want to want you to give some on the article as well Um, gosh I had another question before I was so I was going to ask you something oh when (laughs) when do you plan on starting your school because I really think I want to go back to school to, to do what I've always wanted to do, which is teach. <laughs> oh,
1: it'll and be years I want to be alone, one of your, your first school. teachers. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to be I one would, of your first teachers.
0: I, I will definitely hire you. It will it, it'll be, it'll be, uh, be a few years uh, before I can do that. I have to uh, get this administration uh uh, certification first and that that'll be two years and then I have to go through the process of being an assistant principal principal and all of that. But we'll see. I don't know. I, I hope it happens by the time I'm forty. But we'll see. Okay,
2: okay that gives me a little time. I only have a little, little bit to go. So that gives me a little yeah. time and I'll <laughs> get my feet wet otherwise um and and from my perspective I, I, I'm I I remember just being thankful for um being able to work in the school system from the perspective of uh, I worked with the Sims uh student information management um and then as the administrative assistant and just got 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 to see so much um from teachers and from children as as well and it just it it opened my eyes as a parent I actually think it helped me be a better parent when Brandon did get into the school, because it was, I saw it from every angle—from the child's perspective, from the teacher's perspective, from the uh, administration perspective—everybody just—it was just so much to take in. Um, as a young parent, and just being one of those parents that really wanted to break the cycle, to break the bondage, um, you know. And and I think I share with you, Rodney. I was I was. Very hard on Brandon. My my little neighbor next door, she tells me all the time, "No, you weren't hard. You were a stalker," <laughs> you know. And she says it jokingly, <laughs> but thank God it 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 paid off. I didn't I didn't have the issues. I had some some situations that I had to address. Some with Brandon and some with with teachers as well. I remember a story specifically where it was an honors teacher who who I didn't feel was teaching. She wasn't giving the kids back their work. Uh, to review their, you know, their lesson to see where they were making mistakes. And I went in to ask for Brandon's work, and she had a, a pack of paper just sky high, seemingly. And she said, you can go through and see if you can find this paper if you want it. And I thought, okay, i tell you what. I'm gonna go to the office and see if they can get you to find it. Because, and and my response—they called a meeting. My response to her, she said, "This is honors class, you know. He should basically saying he should not have to have his paperwork back." And I was like, "Well, you're an honors teacher. You should be capable of grading paperwork and giving it back to students, you know." um, (laughs) Needless to say, she didn't. She didn't keep her job there. um, But it just. But but I was just as hard on him. So, why wouldn't I go to the to defend for him when it when he was right? You know what I'm saying, so it goes both both ways um but I could do that because I was holding him accountable um as well, and so it was just the right thing to do to also go out and defend him regardless of who it is this is I'm responsible yeah. this is my child
0: and I think I think teachers appreciate that too um you know, and, and if they truly are a, about the children, then they don't have a problem being wrong at times. Um, I agree. Because there, there, there are times when I've been wrong, and and the parents have made me aware of it. And you know, the only thing you can do is apologize and and just try to do better in the future. But I think teachers appreciate when parents are involved,
2: <clears throat> even if it
0: means that you know, um, you know they they are wrong at times.
2: Right, and we're but all going to be at times, even as parents, we're going to be wrong. We're going, you know, and it's just how you handle being wrong. I, I I totally agree when you when they do have the child's best interest at hand and and everybody winning. They are able to say, you know, hey, even without bringing everybody in, um, let's let's do this differently. Let's let's we look at this and do this differently. Um, But I can say, rarely does that happen because people are so egotistic and and set on being white. There are very few teachers like yourself. I mean, really, there are very few, very few.
0: That 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 I can agree with. let me go ahead and, and, and uh, talk about this article for a little bit. And for those of you who are listening, um, this article uh, you can find it. Um, I guess we'll, we'll post it on uh, uh, on on the internet um, after the show, but you can find it on ascd.org. And ASCD stands for Association for Supervision and Curriculum Development. Um this is an article that uh we found earlier and it talks about um uh, setting expectations and so I'll read this uh from the article and then I guess we can, you know, finish up by talking about this, but um it says teachers treat their high-expectancy students differently from their low-expectancy students. Students quickly recognize this differential treatment and begin to act in accordance with the expectations that the, t- that the treatment implies. And then it says uh, teachers may be unaware that they have low expectations for some students Even when they become aware, they may have difficulty changing their expectations because their beliefs and biases have developed over the years. Then it says, if teachers consciously work to change their biases but don't change their behavior towards those students from whom they have tended to expect less, their change of attitude will have little effect on student achievement. And, again, you can find it on uh, ASCD.org. And I think that pretty much sums up um, everything that we've talked about tonight and how students are going to give you exactly what you expect of them.
2: They're going to
0: give you what you ask for. And whether we want to admit it or not, we, we do... Um, have expectations for our students. Um, Right. Whether they are good or bad, high or low, we have expectations for our students. And I think this article uh, hit the nail on the head in that, you know, when we form these expectations, or when we form these opinions about our students, about our kids, it's hard to change. Once you have it in your mind that this kid is is gonna do well or this kid is, you know, not gonna do well, it's hard to change that. It's hard to change it's hard to change your mind about that. And a lot of times the kids feed into it. Well, since you don't think I'm gonna do anything, I, I'm not. You know, um, I remember when I was in tenth grade uh, when I talked about it in my book briefly. Um, you know, I was point seven points away from from a D from a D, and. I told my teacher, you know, hey, you could you could give me those points. It wasn't even a whole point, point. and he said, if you get anything in the classroom, you will earn it, even if it's a B. And that was motivation for me. Like, okay, I will go out and earn it. In fact, I'm gonna get an A. You know, but that was his point the whole time. You know, and that that was enough motivation for me to say. I'll I'll do more than just get a D. But had that teacher given me that D, I would have never gotten an A out of his class because I would have kept the same work habits all year long and looked for him to give me whatever course I needed to have a passing grade. But because he did not do that, it made me say, oh, well, I have to step it up. You know, I actually have to do my work in this class. And we don't know how to motivate kids. You know, we we think by by pacifying them or by giving them things that, you know, they're going to give us the, the best effort. And it doesn't work that way. Confidence motivates kids. Believing in them will motivate them. Encouraging them will motivate them. But not calling on them because it's a challenging question, you just killed their self-esteem. Or, well, I can't give you this work because you're not, you're not going to be able to do it. How do you know? We don't know until we actually try. And I believe that even if a child is not on that level yet, even if they aren't ready, what is your plan to get them ready? Those kids that I had, excuse me, that passed the 6th grade test, they weren't ready for that test when they came in. They had failed the 5th grade test. So clearly they weren't ready to take take the 6th grade test. And I knew that. But I did not accept that. Uh I had to figure out how I was going to get them ready for the sixth grade test. And it starts with preparation. And if you have a plan that will maximize their potential, then you can get them to do just about anything. If they believe in you as a teacher, if they believe in you, As their parent, their coach, if you can get a kid to buy into what you're teaching, you can get them to do anything. And a lot of times, you know, I've heard teachers say, well,
2: I don't care if they like
0: me or not. Okay, that that, that may be true, that may be a good point. However, if you, if you can get them to like you, then you can accomplish so much more. No, we don't show up every day looking to be liked. But if they like you, they'll do anything for you. And the, the thing with, with having a plan and the thing with setting these high expectations, because they're not used to it, They're going to fight you in the beginning. They're not going to jump on board in September and say, oh yeah, let's do this. It's going to take some time. But you have to be willing to stick with it because eventually they'll come around. And I'm a firm believer in I really believe that that people believe that if you you chastise them, it's a sign of love. Hmm. When you say no for good reason, that shows me that you love me. Mm -hmm. When you know that I'm heading down the wrong path and and you try to stop me, that shows me that you love me. Setting rules, guidelines, and expectations that are all reasonable and logical. You just told me that you love me. But when you let me do whatever I want to do, you don't care anything about me. And right now, I, think I want to say this:
2: we have just about two minutes left. Um, the article was ASCD.org. That's how they could find it, right, ASCD.org? Yes. Okay. Um, real quickly, I remember uh, Mr. Sonier saying that children come to us um, who they are, basically. And that is so true. But think about this, and this is for everyone, teachers, um, grandparents, role models, whatever you, whatever you do, whoever you are. They do. They come to us who they are, and that is not a reflection of you. That's, from, that's a reflection of where they came from. But how they leave you, how they leave your environment is a reflection of not just them, but you too. It's like what you said, Rodney. You know, if someone gets in trouble, you're going to want to find out, I want the whole story here. What were you doing when this happened as a teacher? What was going on in the classroom in order to assess the the entire situation And figure out the best uh, Way to handle it So think about that in your day to day living and, and as you come across our young people How engaged are you We had young people on the show That said you know we get approached and, and, and are told to stay in school Or do the right thing By drug dealers more than we do From the businessman in the suit Who should be the one pulling us in Nurturing us and teaching us That is a problem we we have a huge problem, and and I'm going to close there. But writing, I don't think you mentioned the the teachers file um, page. If you don't mind, share how they can find out about that, um, and then I guess we'll have to share them about what's what's going to be coming later down the road with the shows, continuous shows. So, but do tell them how to to find the teachers file page on Facebook. Uh,
0: if you just uh, type in the teacher. Uh, If you just type in uh, the teacher files on Facebook, um, it's a page um, that I started a few weeks ago. Um, And basically, um, you know, we try to share uh, different news, uh, different things that are going on in education, uh, whether it be a story about a a teacher or a school. Uh, Like Tammy was saying, uh, the grading system in Memphis, um, Where 59, I think, it, uh, is a C, um, which we know that that that
1: should
0: <laughs> that should never be a place. Um, so we so just trying to bring awareness to to a lot of things that are going on in education. So um, please uh, find the teacher files and please like the teacher files or Facebook and if you ever have any concerns or um if you ever find anything uh related to education, please just send it to me and I'll I will gladly add it to the page so that others um may become aware.
2: Okay. Of these wonderful, things. wonderful. Okay, well we are out, we we could go on, we just lose our people that are not listening online with us. That's who we lose. Um, and I'm sure they know that by now because they're already gone. But the people who are on the phone with us, I mean, aren't listening by phone, they still can hear. It. And then the recording stops as well. But I again want to thank you, Rodney, for just being the teacher and the person that you are. Um, and I and I wish we could make that contagious, um, wish we could bottle it up, but I think by people seeing you day to day doing it, I, I I feel pretty sure that you make people uh two things happen. Either they don't want to deal with you at all or they deal with you, um, in a sense that they want to do better, whether they express that or not, um, whether they get it right away or not. So just as a parent and someone who comes across kids that are in dying need of people like you on a day-to-day basis, I just want to say thank you for for what you do and just continue to do it um, and share and spread your light because our kids need it, our society needs it, and people don't realize that it may not look as if it affects you right now at this very minute, how the people that you're letting pass through, but it's always like that 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 school bus commercial um, that could be the very person that comes back into your neighborhood who who has to find a way to feed himself or his family or his need or whatever, and there you are, there your child is, there your grandchild is. So just because it doesn't look like it's a problem that affects your life or that will affect your life in any way, where are these kids going to go um, if we continue to pass them along and not be truthful in our in, in our dealings with them and our love for them. Where are they going to go? Um, one answer would be to the to the jails as they continue to build based on those same test scores that we talked about tonight. Um, then another one for sure would be the grave. Um, but all of them can't go at the same time. So they, some good number of them are going to be left out on the streets to find and make their own way. What if it's you that they come across on that night where they feel like they have no hope? What if it's your child? What if it's your grandchild that they come come upon that night where they feel like, I have nothing to lose, taking your life means nothing to me? So you look at it as a small issue, but really on a larger scale, it is bigger than you ever wanted it to be. So I'm going to leave on that. I want to thank everybody for listening in. Rodney, again, we have some recording going. Uh, just not everybody here. So any final words from you before we let it go?
0: Um, just a th- uh, thank you uh, to you for having me on, the sh- uh, on your show again and, and uh, I really do appreciate all that you do. Uh, I, know, I know that you um, do a lot um, for kids and, and I appreciate that um because uh, believe me, I, I <laughs> our kids do need it. Um and just the stories um that you are um able to share with me. Um okay. even the young man that, that you met um in the restaurant the other day.
1: Yeah.
0: Um I was I was telling to marry um that that story. Um and just how we need more examples um, and more people doing things like that. So I appreciate everything that you do, and I think that um, as time goes on, um, you know, more people will join in uh, with these conversations because I know um, they need to be had. So. Um, I'm looking forward to doing the the future shows, and and I appreciate you having me on. So, uh, thank you.
2: Thank you, and you guys stay tuned. We'll have more information about the future shows, but we do plan to bring week a weekly night of shows about schools, teachers, parents, just overall, um, you know, what's going on in our school system with our kids. So share this news with a teacher, um, with students as well we want this to just be an open forum for all parties involved and that means everyone because we are all involved in some way or another with a child's life or in a child's life so please share and ask people to go and like the teacher files and share it on your page as well if you can't find it rodney jordan you can look him up um as well and and i'm sure they'll be able to get to it from your page and if you can't find him find me and i'll invite you to it as well or share it on your page so just please if that's the least you can do if you can't do anything else you can certainly help out that way so we all have something that we can give and put into this to help get it back on track to become a village again so that being said thank you guys for tuning in if you have some show ideas about the shows going forward again let Rodney know and, and we'll take or myself and we'll take it from there Rodney hats off to you and all of the teachers you come across Tell them tomorrow. That hats off to them as well. So, um, thank you again. Thank thanks to all of our listeners as well. You all have a great great night. Thank you. Hi. Right. Someday. <laughs> <laughs>
0: feels perfect, other days it just ain't working, the good, the bad, the right, the wrong, and everything in
1: between. So it's crazy, amazing, we can turn our heart through the words we say, mountains crumble with every syllable, hope can live or die. So speak.